Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Demo Tape Top Podcast. Thank you all for listening. If this is your first time listening to this, you can subscribe to it on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, Google Play. Yep. Let that beat rock. Mm. Mm. But anyway, we're here on another episode this fine Wednesday for y'all. Wednesday morning by the time that this comes out. Start your week, your, your hump day off good, checking in with me. But yeah, this episode, um, I want to talk about a couple of things. I really don't talk about a lot of television on the show. And I and I kind of sometimes, on past episodes, I've kind of like spoken to television being evil. Which I think it is. I think it is. Uh, especially if you're getting nothing from it. And especially if it's just like mindless, like mindless entertainment that's not even like based on any type of like... I don't know, like anything, like it's just like a reality TV show or some of this other crap that we have on TV, and it's just based on some weird premise, um, and there's no like intellectual, I said, no intellectual capital to be gleaned from it or anything like that, like I don't, yeah, I don't understand why you would watch a lot of TV, but being with that, being that, with that being said, I do with myself watch certain shows, I watch shows, um, you have to watch the obligatory one with your girlfriend, obviously. So whatever, whatever that is at the moment, it was Insecure at one point, and I have to say I hate Insecure. I hate that show. Like I tried to like it. I've tried to reason. People had people reason with me about like why it's such a good show because like it's some real stuff, and I'm like yeah, yeah. But then I just like once it, then I just go back and I watch it and I just realize I don't like it. And I've seen like the first two seasons, so I gave it a shot, and I was actually into it. But it's just the world that that's created in that show just it just leaves me dumbfounded like I don't know like even within the world you know what I mean and so not from like a I'm just criticizing it's like even that doesn't make that doesn't make sense but okay so that's how I feel like about insecure a lot and I think it's just like hood rat stuff like just women would just it's just people would just that don't need to be dating anyone <laughs> trying to date people and it's just like yo what y'all doing and it's not inter- to me for me it's not entertainment but anyway I don't know when we talk about TV but yeah I tried to watch Insecure so that was the obligatory girlfriend show and then you gotta watch uh, that I watch my own uh, shows that I pick out so that's Jack Horseman if you haven't seen that that comes out on Netflix every August one of my homies put me up on that Thomas he put me up on that show that's how I found out about it and uh, I like it like yeah you know, he had his reasons for why he liked it or whatever he said. But, yeah, when when, when uh, I started to watch it and understand what they were doing comedically or intellectually or what they were trying to say with the show, and what it, I really got captivated by it. And so, yeah, BoJack Horseman is about, you know, uh, a 40-year-old like or 50-year-old like like sitcom acting horse who's not out of the limelight. He's like the bad boy in Hollywood. He's always drunk and partying and stuff like that. But it's a very nuanced... Uh, way they break down his life and kind of show why he's the way he is and you know how his attempts to try to be better and his failures and things of that nature it's a very compelling show to me so that's why I watch Bojack Horse but that's what it turned into after watching a season or two of that I was like oh wow this is a really well written show like I like it so I watch it uh, I watch Power even though sometimes Power is kind of like insecure it's kind of like yo man like are we even like trying at this point but there's also some good episodes too, so I'm not gonna. Hey, I'm still I'm still in on power. I'm still gonna be watching that when it comes out. And then um, 
What else do I watch? I have, uh, what else am I currently watching? And, and, and I think, oh, I watch Rick and Morty because I like those type of, you know, witty, satirical, cynical, uh, cartoon animated shows. Those are about the only thing that I will give a chance, like, without anybody telling me about it. Or if people tell me about it, I'm probably gonna like it. If it's a show about, like, real life people, because I feel like a lot of shows aren't real enough. And it depicts things in ways that I think certain segments of their audience want to see. So if it's a show of a black woman, and I, and I think I don't think there's anything wrong with that, right? Like for you to have a niche audience or for you to be speaking for a segment of the population. I agree that that's what you should do. But some of the writing just isn't good on the show. And some of the some of the scenarios, that, especially on Insecure, some of, that, some of the characters find themselves in, I'm just like... Like, I don't understand what logical sense this even makes for you to be doing this. Like, I don't, like, I just, it's just, those group of people that can relate to Insecure, I don't relate to them. Because I just never, that's just never been my experience. So maybe I'm not, you know, normal. Maybe I'm stunted in some way, I guess. But uh, Insecure is not my experience uh, thus far. And so maybe therefore, that's why I can't relate. But I just think it's a stupid show for stupid people. I'm sorry. Or people who think that way about relationships in some weird way. So yeah, uh, sorry about that. And then the last show that I watch, which as the rest of the world watches, is Game of Thrones. So I took a roundabout way to get to the first topic of the show. Uh, and before I talk about Season 8, Episode 4, which I would say I liked as a very good show. I do want to say um, that I began listening to a week ago. Um, a lot of a lot of Game of Thrones podcasts, just to see how people talk about TV for one, like how they articulate or what is just how how people talk about their show, their favorite shows. Because I have a lot of favorite shows. Like I said, BoJack Horseman is one of my favorite shows, and I would like to talk about that on this podcast because I think it's a really good show. And so, um, the podcast, right? There's one. There's one called Binge Mode, which I think people should check out. It's very good. Uh, there's another podcast called Still Watching that I found. Hold on, let me look it up right now on my phone. I'm gonna give you guys the podcast that I that I listen to for Game of Thrones because they're they're all good for the. Re- I want to say this: they're all good podcasts. They're not bad podcasts. None of them are bad podcasts. They all talk about the show in very in, uh, insightful, nuanced ways. They bring clarity to a lot of episodes that maybe you were like, um, maybe some things that you question because they 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 like really. Follow the show and they go and get blurbs from like the showrunners and things of that nature. So it's very it's very good information if you care about Game of Thrones that much. I don't know how much of my budding audience cares about Game of Thrones. But if you are a person in my audience, I know there's people in my audience that care about Game of Thrones. If they hang around me, they like Game of Thrones. Uh, or if they know me and, we, and you're listening to my podcast, you probably like Game of Thrones. Or you would like Game of Thrones if you watched it. So the podcasts that I listen to are Binge Mode. It's called Binge Mode. I listen to, it's called Game of Thrones, the podcast by baldmove.com. It's a bunch of white guys. Uh, Nerdette recaps Game of Thrones with Peter Seagal. So whoever these people are, I don't know who they are. They write for some magazines. I think some of them are just fans. And then I listen to Still Watching Game of Thrones. And I listen to The Watch. And... They, they, like I said, they all criticize, they all critique Game of Thrones. Uh, they also give you information on the uh, show from like some of the book perspective. Because like me, I didn't read a lot of the books, and I know that when you have a fantasy series on the level of Game of Thrones, when there is a book, the book is probably better. Because I'm a Harry Potter fan. I grew up. I read every book. Like a lot of us did. 
Um, and I always thought one thing I did respect about the movies is how true they stayed to the books. And then later in my life, when I don't, when I can't go back and read the books like I would like to, or even own the books, I don't even own the books. Um, I can at least like watch the movies, and the movies are really good, and so that's good. But I don't know how much of that is this show. So I turned to I've turned to podcasts recently, fairly recently, to try to help me bring clarity to all the stuff that I'm watching. So I have seen every season, every episode of Game of Thrones. Um, I've actually been watching it too for a while. I don't know why I came around season two or three. A friend of mine again told me I should watch it, and I liked it. I liked it, and um, I followed it. So yeah, so those are my Game of Thrones podcasts. So binge mode. Game of Thrones, the podcast. Nerdette recaps Game of Thrones with Peter Seagal. Still watching Game of Thrones and The Watch. And then I also listen to the Talk to Thrones on Twitter after Game of Thrones comes on. Because I like to hear what people have to say about what we've just seen. I like to hear people smarter than me give bring detail and clarity to some things that I don't fully have a working knowledge of. Because like I said, there are books to this series which gives so much depth that if I know that I haven't read the book, so I don't know. But anyway, being that as I being that as it may. Um, I listened to them and there was a lot of criticisms on the show about the show that uh, from I guess white female perspectives or white male perspectives they made 100% sense because uh, I don't know they just did I guess because you have to respect people's point of view when they when they give it to you especially on their podcast which you know they're very but um, a lot of it didn't make sense there was a lot of references to like patriarchy and uh, like they looked at the characters as feminist characters and like being heroes for like women, and I'm like, huh, that's a very interesting perspective because as a black man, that's not what I get from this show at all. I don't look at Daenerys as a feminist, or I don't look at Cersei as like a feminist or any type of girl power with fist up type thing because just my perspective, like women are very strong. So like I look at them and everything they're doing and pulling off to me logically. Is within their capability, so I'll honestly say that. So that that's for me um, as a black man, and so some of that kind of was weird listening to. Like, wow, these guys really are criticizing like a white man's story. Like, we have to forget George R. R. Martin is a white male who's telling tales based in a medieval time with lords and and bastard children and just things of that. Like when when we were still, when your kid was legally called a bastard. Like these are times that he's harkening back to. And one of your things is to criticize the patriarchy, which to me sounds self-serving. And it also sounds like, I don't, then why are you watching the show? Because this is what this is. Uh, yeah. Um, I think when you criticize, like, okay, so I'm going to talk about season uh, eight, episode four a little bit now. Because during... The first opening scene, they had the banquet and everything like that. And one of the things that happened was Sansa was talking with the Hound. And she was talking about how, uh, you know, he told her basically that when if she would have went with him, that she would have been protected. And none of the things that happened to her. And a lot of ter- tragic things have happened to her. Like, you know, uh, a lot of marriages, a lot of physical violence, a lot of intimidation. A lot of everything has happened to her. Rape has happened to her. And... Sansa, who used to be this very idealistic, naive little girl who wanted to live in a big castle and wear a pretty dress, understands armies and political intrigues and secrets and the power of secrets now. And so when she was talking to him and she kind of was basically saying that, you know, if the things that I went through didn't happen, I wouldn't be who I am today. 
I didn't know that there would be criticism from that, even from a female perspective or a woman perspective. I didn't know that there, a woman's perspective. I didn't think that there would be anybody who would criticize that because ultimately, regardless of what we go through in life, that is that is the best case scenario is that you can look yourself in the mirror and be like, okay, I'm going to be all right. I'm going to be getting through this. Like this thing happened to me and I'm able to move on from it now. Especially when it comes to something as horrific as being raped. Now, obviously, I haven't experienced that in my life. So I'm not trying to speak to and tell people how they should or shouldn't react. But my thing is, in a show, it, like, like what what else did you want her to say about it? Like, yeah, it was horrible. We, we understand that. I'm pretty sure if you if they could had more screen time and he asked her, like, so you didn't think what happened to you was horrible? She probably would say, yo, it was horrible. But it's about, it was about how she bounced back from it and how she was able to not lose her mind in the game and re- regain herself and use everything that defeated her to be like, okay, so this is how it happens. And so um, I wrote down a, ner- a, a note about that because it's like people were criticizing and saying like, because she said, I'm not a little bird anymore and i'm saying that get i want people to understand that like she was a little bird like she was in the little castle cooped up and then when she got out to the real world like she understood like i i could be a little bird i could sit on this branch and i could sing to the heavens but there's owls out here there's falcons out here there's eagles out here there's birds of prey out here that are trying to get at me and that's that's there's nothing wrong with her realizing that and that's ultimately what she's saying so i don't know maybe i'm digging more into it but i felt like that 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 criticism there was like a head slapper because I'm like, she's resilient about something tragic that happened to her and has been happening to all her family. And they're all very resilient kids. So it was like, I don't know how you could criticize that. Um, I just think that if you don't want, if you want TV, because it seems like the people that were calling into the shows and like leaving voicemails and, and, and saying their opinion... Seemed like there were people that they were they were very personally offended by some of the action in the shows. Like one criticism was of Brienne of Tarf. Her she the fact that she cried when Jamie left, and I'm like, okay, like we, like you really think that this is just an emotionally like, like I don't know, I don't know what people want. Like Brienne, the whole season has been this uh, hard guarded per- woman, and she finally let a man like all the way in, like literally all the way into her. And she cries because he's kind of like, yeah, I mean, I did what I did, but I'm out. And people are are hating that. And I'm like, I don't know what world we exist in where, like, women don't cry when a man has sex for them or they give up something really special for them. And then he's just like, yeah, I took your cookie, but I'm out. I'm splitting. Like, that hurts anybody. So I guess they wanted a more resilient Brienne, but I don't know. I think Brienne is going to be all right in the game because Brienne is resilient. So... People just have their criticism. That's one thing I noticed when I listen to the Game of Thrones podcast. People like to criticize the show strictly from an artistic standpoint. And I like to criticize the show from like criticizing the character standpoint. Because the show is what it is. Like one criticism, another criticism that I heard on one of the podcasts was about how they killed the only woman of color, whatever that means. And I'm like Okay, Miss Sandy was the only woman of color. We get it as black people. I'm sure black people watch Game of Thrones. We clearly see the black people are penisless and we're slaves. We get it. We understand the world that he's creating and we're not offended by it because we expect that from a white male. <laughs> and it's like some perspectives of the show is like people will still have hope that a white man is not going to create a world where like he can indiscriminately sh- like have women naked and nude and like getting raped and like that's that's the world that they harken back to, where they could just run like it's it's 
Uh, anyway. Where was I? I totally forgot where I was. Basically, I was basically where I'm trying to go with this is I think when TV loses its realness and its effect to show us the real world at some level, I mean, it doesn't always have to be blood and gory, but those are the shows that are the most compelling shows, the shows that are about real life. And a lot of the criticisms that, that, that I've seen, that I've heard on these podcasts, and I just listened to these, um, and you should listen to them as well, but they are coming from that perspective of like, it hurts me personally that a woman would cry because she should be a strong woman and forget that dude. Well, it's like, well, yeah, but that's not the character in here. And it makes sense in this scenario to me anyway. So for me, one of the criticisms that I do have of the show too, that I just have is of the male characters, because I'm listening to everybody criticize like their own thing that bothers them a certain way. So for me, I think the only criticism that I do have of the show is in this episode, especially episode four, is that James, I mean, not James, uh, John, John is not asserting his manhood at all, like in the show, at all to Daenerys. Like they had the scene where they were talking about how he's a Targaryen and he's going to be the real, the real king. And she's saying back to him, like, okay, but don't tell anybody. Okay, cool. We expect her to say that because she thinks the throne is her birthright. She thinks the throne is, you know, she's entitled to the throne. But at the same time, there was never, like, I don't know what the writing was. I don't know what it, what the John character truly is. But there was never, like, any, yo, I mean, okay, cool. We can table it for now. But after the fighting is done, we're going to have to divide up the kingdoms. And I am going to have terms because I do have a claim to something. Maybe not Iron Throne. See what I'm saying? Because now that's his bargaining chip. And I, and I thought, and I think he should have played it more as a man like a bargaining chip like he didn't assert any manhood he was just like i kneel to you i bow to you like everybody's gonna follow you i'm like dude like you're still a man though and and that's the criticism that i have in this show like either the men are like that which john really is the only one or ned was like that too or they're like or even jamie if you think about it he's like super duper loyal to cersei for reasons that can't be explained well they can be explained but most people would say they're not very rational reasons um the men are either very like honorable and like sticking by the women or they're just like sadistic psychopaths that just want to lust for power and i guess maybe that's true of the world too right and i and i should i should take my own advice on my previous criticisms of just accepting the world as it is but i'm just saying like really dude jay like john really is not going to say anything like he's not going to try to get anything for for his sisters for his family like come on the woman's in love with you and you actually have a legitimate claim to the throne that challenges her claim you can, you can finesse that into the North being independent. So it's like for him to just concede it, I didn't like that. Like, I don't like that just from a from a personality man perspective. Like, he could have very easily, I, I don't know, talked that out with his lady. And they could have they could have came to um, a some type of, you know, or could, or could be coming to if everything turns out well, which we don't believe will. At the end of the season, they could somehow... Like I said, divvy up. Yo, you rule, you rule the other six kingdoms. Just leave the north independent and free and make me the king of the north. And we good. And we could be married or not married. We could live in peace forever because you know I love you. And it doesn't have to be no static. But there's no point in, like, me not accepting who I am. And that's kind of like what she's telling him to do. Like, hide who you are. Like like a bastard. Like, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Which brings me to another uh, uh, thing that, that cre- that, that's interesting about the show is... The concept, how the concept of bastard shapes like the medieval white world, like that is so bizarre to me. 
because it's like, yo, man, that's your kid at the end of the day. Like he is, especially for, for since it is a very male dominated thing. It's like, that's your kid. Like it didn't really matter how many kids you have women with. Like they're all your kid. If you were the man in this, like, huh? So the concept of that is very, uh, damning psychologically. I think to some of the characters, cause you see some of the sociopathic, like and you see other people just be in pain due to it. And then you see like this, I don't know, bleeding heart, blind loyalty that like John has, which I don't understand because Daenerys basically is making him do, making him be who he, the opposite of who he is, just because she wants to be on the throne. And I think that maybe we're thinking too logically. And once again, it is just TV, but I th- I feel like there has got to be a way where she, him and her could have come to some disagreement. I know I was very long winded about that. But um, yeah, going back to the criticism of the Sansa um, scene with the Hound, where she was basically saying that she's grateful for uh, her life's events up to this point because they made her who they were, and people were appalled by that. Do people not understand that like that's a real life woman experience, like women and little girls, like that—that's a thing that does happen to them, and that in if you could, if the world could be as perfect as you'd like to make it. Being that you can't make it perfect at all, but the, the thing I'm trying to get to is if you could get whatever woman in your life that was affected by something heinous like that, if you could get them to bounce back, I think that's a win. Like, if you can get them to bounce back psychologically and re, re-engage back into life and still try to become who they think they should be and still, you know, learn how to relearn how to trust men again and stuff like that, I think that is a win for a woman. And so for Sansa to... Like I said, have found some level of strength in what people try to take from her, I think is a story that women should look to be happy about. But now, once again, I'm a man. So it's like, what do I know? But I, and I'm not saying I know much, but I know that life deals everybody blows. And when you think that your life is as bad as it is, it can be worse. And I think that Sansa realizes that because she has armies, she has the lessons learned, she has, uh, you know, powerful enemies and powerful friends at the same time. And so, I mean, Jesus, man. Like, let's just enjoy the show. So anyway, I think that's about all I have for Game of Thrones. I hope I didn't, I hope everything I said y'all y'all could rock with and I didn't ramble on too much. Uh, yeah, and that's it for my Game of Thrones stuff. There was something I was going to talk about about the people getting rid of ghosts. There's a lot of the white people on those podcasts. They were very upset that John released Ghost into the Wild. And I'm thinking, like, I mean, I guess, like, I do feel the one dude, one dude on one on the uh, uh, the podcast, uh, the Game of Thrones, the podcast. He did say something like, "Yo, if you're a dude and you get rid of your dog because you're getting with a chick, like that's a problem." I kind of feel him on that. Like your dog is your dog, man. Like if she's accepting you, she's accepting your dog. Like that's kind of the essence of manhood. <laughs> like you know what I mean? And 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 yeah, women talk all that stuff, and men talk a lot of stuff too. But there, are, and that's my point when I go back to the John Daenerys thing. There's always a point if you assert your manhood into the situation that it could come to some type of resolve. And if the woman can't be reasoned with, then she can't be reasoned with. And that's a different scenario. Then you move on to plan B. But you always try to like, especially in a dispute where you both have vested interests. Yeah. So uh, I thought that was very funny. The dude was saying basically you're a punk man if you get rid of your dog for a chick. Because I kind of of agree with that. Actually, I do agree with that. (laughs) But yeah, now... I want to take a time to pause. I want everybody to go out there. If you haven't subscribed to the podcast already, 
subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, or YouTube. You can subscribe to my YouTube page, uh, Demetrius Collins. My website, I'm, I'm uh, it's being worked on right now. So pretty soon I'm gonna have a website up, and everybody's gonna be able to get the podcast straight from the website, as well as some other things that I might do because I'm looking to do video soon. But I want a platform for myself first. So um, yeah, so you can subscribe to the podcast there on iTunes, uh, YouTube, Stitcher Radio. Make sure you check it out. Um, I want to talk about the NBA playoffs. <sighs> Some of my predictions have gone awry. Well, since round one, my predictions were going awry. Uh, I picked OKC as I'm, I'm going to always own my because I I try so hard to be right. And I'm not going to be wrong. I'm not going to duck from it. Like I'm one of those people. I like to be. Every man does. Let's be honest. We like to make sports predictions and be right. So I want to be right in my sports predictions. But at the same time, when I'm wrong, I'm going to own it. I was wrong about OKC. Because I thought that they were going to the Western Conference Finals because I thought, like a fool, I believed in Russ. But I don't even know if it's Russ's fault. I just, I'd have to go, I have to go back and maybe think about why I think they lost. Because I don't know. Like, it seemed like we want to blame Russ, but that's too convenient. But maybe it is Russ. Um, And I was also wrong about Kyrie and Boston Celtics. I picked Boston Celtics to go to the Eastern Conference Finals because, and they still could. The series is only 3-1. And so it's not over. So there's no point in anybody trying to, you know, uh, count them out. I guess I guess until the fourth game is won, they can still lose because we've seen three one swings in our lifetime, fairly, fairly recently. And so, yeah, I don't want to be that guy, but they're done. They're done. They're done. They're not gonna win. Even if they, even if they do somehow come out and win game five, they'll lose game six. Like they're. they're I don't know. You listen to the sports shows, and they say that Kyrie pushed him away, or it was the coach, and he inserted Gordon Hayward. Whatever it is, because obviously I'm not in the locker rooms. Whatever it is, they're done. Giannis is like systematically destroying these dudes in the paint and getting his team easy shots. And Boston does not stand a chance. I thought Kyrie would rise to the occasion. We were wrong. That doesn't mean he can't. Because one thing I want to introduce into our sports lexicon now that we live in the world really of like really real real instant gratification and got to know everything now and got to be the first one and got to tweet about it is that the idea of progression things progress people progress people fail people succeed that's life at anything you do that is life so why we don't extend this to all sports players and all athletes all together i don't know we could look back and we can still say, yo, we love Muhammad Ali. Muhammad Ali lost five fights, if I'm not mistaken. Five or six, but I'm going to say five. He lost like five fights. And we can make we can say whatever we want to say about why he lost some more of the kids, maybe, but he lost. Mike Tyson lost. Um, you know, your, the Patriots lost. You know, teams lose. Michael Jordan, before he started winning championships, lost to teams that would eventually win the championship. So it's like, we have to understand that like I said loss is part of winning and so and, and, and another thing is when I'm going back and I'm looking at all these playoff greats quote unquote that we somehow remember they don't it doesn't hold up like because you can go to basketball reference now and it's pretty much a library for like every NBA game that ever has ever been played almost but especially the more recent ones for us that grew up in you know came of age or watch basketball in like the early 2000s late 90s early 2000s really like yeah, man, all those teams that you can go back and, and look at are your favorite guy, Kobe's, and 
your 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 Jordans, even in some of his games, they didn't always shoot good percentages. They weren't always it wasn't always magnificent. Drop coming through, dropping fifty on fifty five percent shooting with ten rebounds and ten assists. Like it wasn't always that. Sometimes it is a fifteen for thirty five. 42% from the field with 17 free throws and you win the game. It's just at the end of the day, do you win the game? And I feel like the only expectation that gets extended, like the only person, somehow LeBron James is compared to Michael Jordan in a way that we're not allowed to acknowledge at one, LeBron's greatness and at two, how his greatness created his failures. And I don't think we understand that. And so we have we don't have a, we don't have enough respect for that. And maybe that'll come after LeBron is gone out the league and we don't have to watch him anymore, but I have a problem with that. So I say now, okay, cool, since we forget about Jordan's failures, we forget about Kobe's failures and his blunders in the playoffs, Game 7s and stuff, when LeBron hasn't played bad in the Game 7. I'm not going to extend that courtesy to anyone. Since it seems to be that Jordan is is, is the standard. And it doesn't necessarily have to be Jordan because you can still do what you got to do um, and be a great player. But the standard seems to be everybody uses that Jordan won. At the end of the day, no matter what he did, he could have eight turnovers. He could have he could miss five free throws or seven free throws in a game because there are games where Michael Jordan shot bad from the free throw line too. He can he can not shoot a high percentage. It doesn't matter as long as you win. Okay, cool. So now, if you don't win, that's it. Now, my thing though, I'm going to inject into that is that you have to allow for progression. So for this year, you can say ah. Eh, Kyrie's not the guy. Kyrie's not the guy. He's shooting like 37 percent in this series. He's very confident about it. I don't know. What, I mean, there's nothing wrong with getting confident, but he's very like belligerent and arrogant about it. Like, yeah, I don't care. I shot seven for 22. Like, I don't care. Like, I shot. I should shot more. It's like, yo, man. Like, do you even? Are do you even want this team to win? <laughs> like, that's not the answer. I mean, I get it, but nah. And so, um, that doesn't mean next year, maybe with the same team or different team, that Kyrie can't come out. And show up, and that's why I say we have to allow for progression. Because when you go back and they, they give you all the uh, Jordan stats, and when he was dropping them off and averaging 56 or 41 on 56% shooting and all this stuff, but it came after years and years of failures. Like, I, I think people have to factor that in. And sometimes the level of your greatness dictates the level of your failure. So, like, Magic Johnson was in the finals for like what? Seven, like, eight straight years in, in the 80s. Or something like crazy like that. So, what happens is you're gonna lose if you're always going up against the other. Conference's best guy Battle tested teams Like that's just the level of greatness That you have to accept And you can't take that away from LeBron It's like you shouldn't take it away from Magic They lost LeBron lost Magic lost It happens You lose But did they win? Yes They both won Magic won 5 LeBron won 3 We're still counting I know people don't think he could win Miami And they said he couldn't win in Cleveland I'll leave it at that So my thing is When we're criticizing our players It's okay in the moment to say Yeah Kyrie You're not looking like the guy Joel Embiid I'll talk about that on another episode. I'm gonna get on. The, I'm gonna get on the Sixers on another episode. But Joel Embiid, you're not the guy. Um, there's nothing wrong with saying that, but then allowing for them to come back next year and try to push to be the guy. But you have to see them improve. You have to see them play better. You have to see something different. I get that, but we can't act like because you have one playoff blunder that like you're just not the guy. That's too much ESPN in first take. That's not enough us really watching how sports progress. How real life sports play out. You know what I mean? Not what we think should happen. Not with some guy who is a journalist. I'm not saying that journalists don't have very valid opinions. But sometimes they're biased just like the rest of us. 
And so they're trying to get you into this whole idea that it takes one guy and one guy has to be stellar in one moment. And that's not necessarily the case. It's a, especially if you're playing a team sport. Like if you're playing an individual sport, well, no shit. Because it's just you and another guy. So yeah, you got to be stellar. You got to be better than the one guy. But when you play an 11-on-11 sport or a 5-on-5 sport or you know a 9-on-9 sport in baseball, like you need guys. You need guys. Like you need guys to hit home runs, steal bases. You need guys to make tackles, sack the quarterback, get turnovers, get touchdowns, catch the ball, run the ball, block. Like you need guys. And if people try to, and in, in our sports commentary, people try to underestimate the other guys. And I never want to underestimate the other guys because that's what wins championships. Which leads me to my next point. So yeah, I'm, I'm done with Kyrie in Boston. If you guys, if if I didn't put a nice bow on that one, I'm done with Kyrie in Boston. But that leads me to my next point. If you are a person. I'm going to say this. I got my heart back. If you are a person that doesn't honestly believe that Houston can win this series, I don't know what to tell you. At this point, and I'm going to explain. I will admit before I explain, I was a little bit shaken up. After game one, after game one, I was not shaken up. I posted on Instagram. I said like, nah, that ain't it. That ain't it. That ain't enough to convince me. That ain't enough to convince me. After game two, I will not lie, I was more convinced that they could lose the series than ever. But game three and game four showed me that regardless, that if they play four games with this team, they're going to need a fifth. Which showed me, like last year, that this team could beat... If, listen, my theory on this is this. If you can go to game seven in the playoffs with any with any team, you could beat that team. I don't care what anybody says because yes, like Paul Pierce tried, like Paul Pierce said on his show, matchups like styles make fights. Matchups create the game that the the, the the game the the game within the game that we like so much. For those of us that are really watching the sport and not just being casual fans, you know what I mean. That's why you know a certain team in the NFL could beat a team, and then that same team has trouble with another team. Like it's just matchups. How well does your six four corner cover my six two receivers on this day? Or how well do your 6-2 receivers get free? What is our scheme versus... Like, there's there's, there's more to it um, than uh, just my guy. Like, like my guys are better than your guys. Because it's all your guys. So, when, you, when, when, when you're looking at Houston and Golden State, all, we ha- all the data that we have to go on is the games. Like, the games that they played. Guys scored buckets. Guys blocked shots. Guys committed fouls. Referees maybe made bad calls. Referees made good calls. Guys hit big shots. Guys missed big shots. Given all the different, you know, variables that go on in a basketball game, these teams play to a stalemate. <laughs> that's what they do. Like, that's what they do. They That's what they do. That's what they do. And I guess you guys, people are going to say, well, if it comes down to one game, then I'm picking Golden State. And I guess, but I don't think we can say that. Maybe we can. Maybe we can. Maybe we can. But I think that if you don't think Houston really can beat this team, you're you're denying all levels of data that just shows that they can. Be it the seven games they played last year and the four games they played this year, not to mention the four games they played in the regular season. Because if we throw those in, then come on, we really got an argument now. Like they, they played them close. And when you factor in that Chris Paul did not play last year in the final two games... And people say, well, Iguodala didn't play last year. Well, Iguodala's playing this year. And they're up two. They're tied two. So the same the same thing has happened. The same thing has happened last year that's happening this year. And people are going to tell me that they don't have a chance to beat them. And I think that that's... Now, will they beat them? That's different. 
But we and the truth be told is you don't know, and that's my thing. Watching this series, watching these two teams play, I don't see how people can still say like it's a foregone conclusion. Like my father, Stephen A. Smith, like they just like my dad, like Warriors fans are like so blissful, like we got this. We got and I think that's how the Warriors team is too, deep down inside, but they don't have this. And I don't think that they realize they have this. And like I've been trying to argue with people for a while about this, like, yo, you have to like remember, like, teams losing their prime. Two teams. Like, that's what does happen. <laughs> yeah, maybe it didn't happen to Jordan. Okay, that's Jordan. But to mostly everybody else, like, they lost championships. If they played in enough of them. <laughs> like, you know? Like, if they played in enough, they lost. Even Tom Brady lost. So, this whole notion that because the Warriors... And the Warriors have lost. But this whole notion that because the Warriors have Kevin Durant and this machination of the team... That they can't lose, like whoa, that's that's not that's just not true, and that's not historic based on the game of basketball played in the NBA. Given the the the, the tandem of stars versus a, like that's just not true. Like that's just not true. And like I said, Chris Paul didn't play last year. This time this year, when it went to Game Five in Houston, Houston won the game. I hope everybody realizes that. Houston won Game Five against Golden State last year. They won. Regardless of what court it was on, they beat them. That's a fact. And now they have to go on the road. And the question now becomes, can they go on the road and win a playoff game? I believe they can. I believe they will. I believe Houston's going to win game five. Because Houston is better than them with Chris Paul. Like, and it's crazy. It may not look the part, but that's what it is. I'm riding with it. This series is still go seven. I don't know what this series is going because I'm going to... You know, I, I wavered on my team. So I'm kind of not really even trying to take pride in this. But I have to continue on strong because I believe in the Warriors. I mean, not the Warriors. I believe in Houston. I believe in Houston since last year. With a healthy Chris Paul, I think they don't beat Steph Curry in Game 7. I think Steph Curry, with Chris Paul guarding him, is, you know, especially in the clutch. Maybe I'm wrong, though. Maybe Chris Paul can't guard him. But I just feel like whatever effect Chris Paul has on the game when Steph Curry's on the team's other opposing side like it just doesn't bode well for Steph Curry it just doesn't and so after 11 games played Houston Rockets are they're 6-5 and five. like this is not like this is not some <laughs> like this is not some some I don't know. Like this is not some like runaway league. Like the, the 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 Golden State Warriors have not even been challenged at all since they've been the KD Warriors. Like at all. And like the against the Rockets these past two years are about the only team to legitimately challenge them. I don't think that's the case this year. I think they get challenged again this year. After, even if they win lose this series, they can win this series. This is only the Western Conference semis. This is only Western Conference semis. <laughs> Keep that in mind. This is only the Western Conference semis. Man, dudes emerge all the time. And we have to stop this notion that a team with good players in their prime can't lose. Because that's just factually incorrect. And it happens when you have a team of better guys. And I think there are teams in the NBA that if the players are who we think they are, only the games will tell. 
Only the games will tell. Not our opinion, not what we think. We can talk about it. It's entertaining. Nothing wrong with that. I'm talking about it. I'm predicting that Houston's going to win game five. But at the same time, the games are going to tell. The miss and makes, the defensive will, the the the, 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 the steals, the blocks, the diving for the ball, that's what's going to decide who is the better team. And last year, it was the Warriors, even though they had to win two games without Chris Paul. But, they, but after five with Chris Paul, Houston was up 3-2. And that's a fact. And that's why I'm predicting them to win game five. Houston's going to win game five. <laughs> and don't be shocked when they do because you're hearing us say it right now. Like, if you're listening to my podcast before tonight's game, because it's now Wednesday, Wednesday. So before tonight's game, if you're hearing this podcast, do not be shocked when Houston wins this game. I don't want you to be shocked because this is the game that they win. This is what made them go up 3-2 last year. This is what made them go up 3-2 last year. So we're going to see what the Warriors are about. Because I think they're in trouble. Most definitely. In Game 5, I expect Austin Rivers to play well. Because in Game 1, he didn't play. I think Austin Rivers, people try to laugh at him and say whatever they got to say. But Austin Rivers is a fearless dude and he plays defense, man. And yo, he give you 10 points, that's my, that might be all you need from him. But he's going to give you some steals and some stuff too. Because he can guard, he can bother Steph. I'm not going to say, I mean, nobody can really, I mean, if Steph is, I mean, you can kind of take the threes away because of the way he gets them. But, I mean, you can't really stop Steph from trying to get, get his buckets. He's going to hit shots, man. You just got to make it rough for him. And I think Austin Rivers is a guy um, that does make it rough for him. Actually, I got time. This didn't take as much time as I thought I would to get through my topics. Uh, so I am going to talk about Philly today. I thought I was going to have to do it on another episode. Um, I watched the game tonight, Philly and uh, Toronto. And I'll say this, Philly's not ready. Maybe next year. This is the note that I wrote. Philly's not ready. Maybe next year without Embiid. That's what I wrote when I watched that game. Without Embiid. Because Embiid and Ben Simmons do the same thing on the court when you watch them. They both occupy the same space. They're scoring. If they're going to score, they're going to score from this. They're going to get their shots from the same area. Ben, ben Simmons has to become as a better perimeter player if he's going to be able to play with uh, Joel Embiid. But also, what Joel Embiid is going to have to become is a more reliable guy. For whatever reason, in these playoffs, which I look at the playoffs, they're very scientific. You test a sample over and over and over again over a series of games. And if teams, the cores of teams stay the same, you tested another season again. So, you, so you're seeing what you're seeing is telling a story. That's why I like the series format. Because at the end, it's, 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 it's about four games. And at the end of four games, it's going to tell you. This team was either four games to one better than you. This team, after four games, is two to two. That means you played them close. Or you're 4-1 or you're, or you're whatever. Or you're 3-1 or whatever the case may be. But if a team can beat you three times in four games, um, you're not that much better than them. And so... And so what I'm trying to say is if Joel Embiid is going to play bad as consecutive games like he has, that means that's more a trend than a blip. And he has the benefit of the regular season that it hides him because you can sit him down when he's like, yo, man, I either, you know, my stomach ain't feeling well. I'm chilling, man, my knees or whatever. Let me get a game or two or three or four or five. So that when I come back and I play these games, I can play at a high level. But when you get him in the playoffs and he has to have short rest, he has, dude, he can't hold up and you can't win with him. And if you get rid of him, right? You make Ben Simmons a better player. I guarantee Ben Simmons becomes a better player without Joel Embiid on the court. I guarantee it. I guarantee it. So that's my one takeaway from the game. 
Is Philly not ready, maybe next year, without Joel Embiid? That's what I see. Because I, I think it's health-related. And I keep hearing on the sports shows, Undisputed and all the other sports shows, that his knees are arthritic, which means they're not going to get better. And I'm like, okay, well, he's only going to get older. And if he's only giving you 11 points in the game, 11 points a game in the playoffs now, and he's inhibiting another player's growth, from a general manager's standpoint, I would think that you guys would probably be like, yo, all right, well, we're going to have to cut bait with him. Because you have to benefit the team. And you guys have a decent team. If, if Ben Simmons can develop into what we think he could be. But he's going to have to put in work too. But I'm just saying, I don't think they're going to win anything with Embiid. I'm sorry. Because I think Embiid's injuries now, like I said, my take on sports too, allow for progression. So if Embiid comes back next year and I see him in the playoffs next year and he's averaging 28 and 12 and 6 assists or something crazy like that. And he's healthy and he's destroying teams. Okay. I'll be like, okay, there it is. But I don't know. I don't know. I think Joel Embiid is a, a star-crossed talent. He has so much ability, but he's only going to be able to play. He's like he's like Yao Ming. It was like kind of too good to be true. Like, dude is seven, whatever, you know what I mean? Blocking shots. Seven, three, I think Yao Ming was, or something, something crazy like that. Seven, six, seven, five, something like that. Seven, five, I think. You know, but he's break, his foot started getting broken. So it was too good to be true. And you got to enjoy it while you got it. But in the playoffs, I'm sorry, but you can't give uh, Joel Embiid too much kudos right now because he's not playing consistent. And that's one thing you want your players to do. Whatever you do, give it to me consistently. Give it to me consistently. And Joel Embiid is not doing that. And so Philadelphia is not ready. Nah. And yeah, I mean, was 7'6". But to my point, though, sometimes when you have these big physical freaks of nature that could do so much, like they're just star-crossed, ill-fated. You know, and then for Joel Embiid, it's his knees. And that's pretty sad. But, you know, hey, I think you get rid of him too, a year too soon than a year too late. You allow Ben Simmons to develop. You try to keep some pieces around Ben Simmons, and you roll with that. And you see what it, you ride that train because that's why you were taking all those years. Um, Yeah. So, I'm about to get up out of here. Um, I didn't get a chance to review the episode of Game of Thrones. I actually hadn't even wrote notes to do that. I just was kind of just wanted to give some of the criticism. Just want to talk about some of uh, what I liked about the show and some of the criticisms of the show that I've heard. But uh, I might probably go back and watch season uh, season eight, episode four, and then I'll take notes and then come back and record an episode about that, strictly about that. I kind of mixed in, um, just introduced the concept of me talking about TV. That's kind of what I wanted to introduce on this show, which is me getting comfortable with me talking about TV and some of the things that I like about certain shows and the shows that I generally like and encouraging people to watch some of the shows that I like and hopefully you know we can start those conversations as always you can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes Stitcher Radio uh, follow me on Instagram at DMC4President if you uh, haven't already and until next week y'all when I come back with the episode talking about Game of Thrones uh, peace peace